Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I'm Chris Dixon. And today we're going to talk about what it means to form a relationship with your finances. Whether you're being intentional about this relationship or not, it exists. Wealth building is a journey. And no matter where you are on that journey today, you can make significant progress to create the resources that you want to do whatever drives you in life. Now, Hannah Koenig is on the podcast today and Hannah shares her story and her tools and framework and the habits that you can implement to demystify and simplify your finances to get them working for you and create whatever you want in your life. So enjoy the conversation with Hannah Koenig. Hey, everybody. We're so lucky to have Hannah Koenig with us here today. And Hannah is a wealth, business, and leadership mentor for entrepreneurs. She's a CEO, a transformational facilitator, speaker, and member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Uh, her work has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs across the globe streamline and scale service-based businesses with impact, sustainability, and integrity. Hannah helps entrepreneurial leaders build wealth and become well-resourced by cultivating financial stability, sovereignty, and sustainability. Hannah, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for that intro. Yeah, that's great. Well, and what's what's going on in your life? What brought you here today? And uh, what are you focused on? I I have a secret mission to close the wealth gap, which um, I I often or I sometimes get into arguments with people who are very like technical, um, and they're like exponentially blah blah blah, and they talk about the billionaire class. But really, um, my work has always been about helping everyday leaders be well-resourced because when we're well-resourced, uh, what we're able to do, it becomes so much greater than when we're under-resourced. And I grew up um, under-resourced with a mom who was under-resourced and also, you know, throughout my early twenties, really, really struggled, even though I had so much potential and so much desire Um it, it was really challenging, and I eventually found my way into the work that I do today. So that's what's going on in my world. It's like conversations about building tangible wealth, not just wealth as a concept, or um, you know, like you're worthy and everything is possible. But how can we take what's possible and and make it your reality so that you can do what you're meant to do? Love that. So your yes. mission to close the wealth gap, that's pretty powerful. What yeah. got you on this mission? What turned you on to to wealth building and, and going on this journey? Mm-hmm. Being terrible with money is what got me <laughs> on this mission, actually. I grew up, so I grew up below the uh, poverty line. We were on food stamps when I was a kid. Um, my father was a disabled veteran. He struggled with some mental health stuff and addiction. My mom uh, later on worked for Head Start. I'm the oldest of four. And not only did we grow up without a lot of financial means, I also just had terrible modeling around money. And that impacted me drastically when I started trying to adult and create my own way in the world. And I've made almost every financial mistake an individual can make. I've I've been evicted. I had my first car was repossessed. I have back when people wrote checks, written bad ones. Um, even as not not so long ago, I would say the beginning of 2017, my credit score was in the mid 400s, and so like financial literacy and and wealth building and these things were just not even part of my sphere of possibility for a long time and when i found entrepreneurship i sort of saw it as a way around uh or or a way to bypass some of the things that i didn't have like you know a fancy pedigree or you know a great um reputation from a college or fancy connections from a dad who went to the country club. I didn't have those kind of, you know, nepotism. Um, So, so I was kind of taught to see myself as, as what I didn't have, or, or that's how I perceived myself. And I counted myself out in a lot of ways. And when I started connecting with the possibility of being a business owner, it was incredibly empowering. And it became like, 
it, it was a space where it didn't matter, right? It didn't matter who you were or what you did or didn't have. It mattered what could you do? And, and that gave me a lot of space to dream and a lot of space to create. And, um, and I built a multiple six-figure business. And then I found, I, I was to my surprise, after 2020, in, in that year, my business like quadrupled in revenue. I worked all year. We didn't have anywhere to go. So all I did was work. Um, at the end of the year, I was still terrified about paying taxes. I still didn't feel like I had much to show for it. I didn't feel any safer with money or any more comfortable. And that was a huge wake up call for me because I knew I was capable. I, I knew I could create things and learn things that I didn't understand. And that's when I kind of put my foot down with myself. And, and I was like, you're going to learn everything there is to know about finance and building wealth. And money is no longer going to be a thing that you're afraid of because it's, it's silly at this point, right? You can create it, what's going on. And, and so then I really had to address um, my relationship with money and I had to humble myself and I had to learn and I went full Harmony Granger. And <laughs> it was surprisingly simple is what I found as somebody who failed algebra the first go around her freshman year of high school. So I, I did not think, I, I thought it was something that was going to be complicated. I thought it was something that was reserved for certain types of people. And what I found was that it's like fourth grade math and the actions are relatively boring. And um, in in 2021, I made so much progress that I was I was just floored. And now I'm, you know, now I'm a real estate investor. I actually just closed on my first multifamily property uh, last week. Yeah, I have, um, I also have single family rental. Um, I have, you know, another side business. I've made a few, um, just a few offers on other small businesses, which I never even thought about as acquisition as a possibility. Um, you know, I also have a portfolio and a, and a beautiful home and all of these things that seemed foreign. And I just thought, you know, I would have to stay on the hamster wheel of creating cash flow, And, and I was missing all of the other pieces. And when they fell into place, I was like, this is not that hard. Why don't people know that this is not that hard? Yeah. We like to say yeah. there's a surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And it sounds like you, you had that experience when it comes to getting over the hump around the facade in front of money and and how you build wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. You had a, you have a pretty cool story and a, a tough journey you had to go on there. It sounds like you're in a, a difficult place uh, a few years back, like 2017. You said that was a, a tough time. Uh, what was the light bulb that went off for you where you're like, okay, let's let's let's, let's flip the script here and start to to make some changes? Yeah, 2017. It wasn't it wasn't super difficult. It was that I had, I hadn't done anything to support mm. me trusting money. I, I had made so many mistakes that I just assumed like many people do, you know, shame does this when we make a mistake or when we do something wrong or when we experience shame, it's really common to internalize it. So instead of like, I made a mistake, it's like, I am a mistake. And I just mm. thought I am I am bad with money. I cannot be trusted with money. So in 2017, um, I decided I, I wanted to buy a home. And I did not think that was something that was possible for me. My partner and I actually wanted to buy a home. And I'm like, there's no way a bank is going to let me buy a home. And so I, the first thing I really started with was working on my credit. And... um and I had a lot of cleanup to do. <laughs> it sounded it was, like it. The score yeah, in the 400s is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really uncomfortable, but a lot of it was old and a lot of it was really small amounts and collections. So I learned how to negotiate um, down debt and, and I cleaned up my credit and I purchased a home, which was really um, challenging for my nervous system. So even after the bank approves us. We buy this home. Um, I'm freaking out because I'm like, wait, am, is this a mistake? Am I allowed to have this? Am I allowed to be here? They're, they're going to figure out that I'm me and this is a mistake. And 
if you've ever purchased property, there's a very thorough vetting process. They don't just give loans to anyone. So it's like you're well qualified to be able to make this payment. But I did not have um, trust in myself because I didn't have a history of experience of succeeding financially or, or positive experiences with money. So that's around the same time that I, I started a business and it was an incredibly eye-opening, empowering shift. And I, and, you know, and I also thought many of my mistakes were actually not my fault. I thought they were money's fault and it was just because I didn't have it, that it was challenging. Um, but so much of it was that I, I didn't actually have the tools to manage it or know how to be in relationship with it. I didn't have a history of positive experiences to be able to trust and relax and know that I would be able to show up and and meet challenges. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash O-N-E-5-0 and use code O-N-E-5-0 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. I love that you said uh, relationship and, and we, a tagline we use and, and what we believe in with our approach is that you, you need to form a relationship with your goals and treat it like a relationship and a positive relationship in that uh, it sounds like you have a similar approach or, or the way that you think about your financial goals or your, the way you approach your finances, which is have a relationship. Could you, could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Well, money is just this thing, right? It's just a resource. It's neutral. Um, But people, human beings, we are relational creatures. So even if a thing is neutral, we might have quite a complex relationship with it because we're complex and layered. And in mainstream finance, what you'll find is just an emphasis and, and financial education on literacy. And financial literacy is great and it's important but it is only a fraction of the equation, right? Because literacy will give you a behavioral plan. So if you're listening and you've ever tried to create a budget, for example, or reach a financial goal and you found you weren't able to stick with it, often that's because the behavioral plan you had might've been great. It might've made sense on paper, but it was not addressing the underlying things that motivate or demotivate our behavior. So what I teach, I teach through what I call financial intimacy, and it's a framework, a three-part framework that allows you to look at how you relate to this thing we call money. And if you live in modern civilization, then money is a thing you're going to be in relationship with for the rest of your foreseeable future. Whether you like it or not, you have a relationship with this thing. And Many people, when they can start to perceive it that way, ask different questions and and begin to approach things differently, right? We can now come to things with not like, why am I getting this wrong or why can't I do it or why doesn't this work for me? Instead, we can be curious. We can be curious, right? Period. Great place to start. Right. Why, Why am I triggered when this happens? Why is my default impulse to spend when I feel unworthy, right? Or or whatever that is. And, um, and, and we have this whole psychological relationship to money. So that's why I teach it as a relationship. And if you know how to form one healthy relationship in your life, when you start to, you can, you can translate those same principles to anything else in your life, right? Transparency. Absolutely. Communication, consistency. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and what does it look like on a, on a day-to-day or week, weekly or monthly uh, repetition or, or behavior when you think about a healthy relationship with your, your financial goals or, your, or having this financial mm-hmm. intimacy? Yeah. So there are, there are three facets of financial intimacy. And I think that's important to understand first. The first is emotional intimacy, right? That's the psychological and emotional context. So that can be financial trauma. That can be setting financial boundaries. This is cultivating emotional intimacy. It requires safety, just emotional safety. If we are, we're friends and something happened that didn't feel good for you. I said something that hurt your feelings. If it's not safe for you to communicate that, we probably won't ever be able to grow beyond that. And then we're really not experiencing depth of relationship, which is what intimacy is. So emotional intimacy gives us the ability to address, to be transparent um, and, and, and safely approach what is at play that impacts the actions we are or are not taking. Um, and, and the things that feel challenging, right? This is where we're separating maybe facts from feelings. So it might feel like, and um, as an entrepreneur, I, I work with people. I, sometimes I work with sales teams and a lot of times people will get like a financial objection in, in the sales process. And one of the things that I, I teach them to do very quickly is to separate, does it feel like you can't afford it? Or is it practically you actually do not have the budget or the means to step into this opportunity? And and so emotional intimacy helps us separate facts from feelings and then create safety and and reframe and and start to heal the the challenges that impact our behavior or, or even cultivate dream and vision, which is really important. If you're going after a goal, it's really helpful to know what that goal is and why, right? What is your vision for your wealthy life? How do you want to experience money? What, what do you and money want to create together? Yeah. The second. Yeah. I'd love to ask you about that on, well, first on the emotional Mm -hmm. component of financial intimacy, do you find that there's, you're unpacking like limited, limiting beliefs in that component as well? We're addressing some of these maybe misconceptions Mm -hmm. you have or beliefs that you've told yourself that um, you think are true, but are not when you actually peel it back? Absolutely. And sometimes it's addressing beliefs that are limiting beliefs that you do have evidence for, Mm. right? And, And a willingness to challenge that, to be like, actually, historically, I am terrible with money. And am I capable of learning, right? Am I capable of changing a pattern? Am I committed to this being my identity moving forward. So, so there are many different ways we can look at that. Um, That's but, great. And then absolutely. Right. You said, you said having a vision, which is very much in line with how we approach goal setting. We really encourage people to first figure out where do you want to go? Like some point in the distance, so like set a 10 year vision or goal for what, mm-hmm. where you want to get to. And then you can work your way backwards from that goal and kind of reverse engineer your way back to what you need to start doing today like lining up dominoes. And I I wanted to ask you about that. Is that how you would see getting started is to begin with the end in mind, kind of set set a long-term vision for what you want to do, Mm -hmm. uh, the why behind the journey that you're going to go on? Yeah. So for some people, that approach works really well, like a a big goal. They're like, I want to retire at 45. I want to drink Mai Tais. I want (laughs) to be on an island. I And I don't want to be bothered. And, and I want to be able to maintain that type of a lifestyle. Some people can be that granular and that specific. Um, for others, you know, if you if you struggle to kind of formulate that vision and you're just in this place of, I don't know exactly what I want, but I know I don't want to be here. Sometimes it's more helpful to start with how you want to feel mm. and, and go from a more internal approach. So you're not just creating this kind of picture that's a vision board that's maybe this is what I should want or this is exactly what I want, but you're saying, I want to feel not afraid. I want to feel supported. I want to feel like I know for a fact that money is good, right? Or or that I, I will be able to continue to support myself. So those are sort of the two different approaches. And then when we can get clear, we can start to reverse engineer. And in in wealth building, so when we do strategic planning, 
that's really important because in terms of finance and, and building wealth, the order in which you do things really matters. And this is more intellectual intimacy, right? We're getting more into the specifics of that, which is financial intelligence, right? Understanding what actions to take, understanding what order in which to do so, um, understanding that personal finance is personal. So it's not actually right or wrong. It's right for you and understanding what systems to put in place so that you can actually meet those goals. And that's the the intellectual part piece. So it's emotional in the finance, financial mm-hmm. intimacy. The, the first stage or phase is like the emotional and second is intellectual. And that's where you say it's really putting firm plans and a process in place to, to get on the, the road to achieving your goal. Yes. And cultivating financial intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. This is literacy and, and literacy is important. It, it's a piece, but if we're not ad- addressing what impacts our ability to sustain behavioral change, then we don't first need a behavioral plan. So that's why emotional intimacy, then intellectual intimacy, where now you're understanding the fundamentals of how money works, the fundamentals of how building wealth works. And and there you could take that emotional safety, the emotional intimacy, the ability to um, understand that now I've, I've got a plan in place and I know what steps to take to implement that plan. And then when I feel triggered in the process, I know how to show up for myself Absolutely. so I can sustain. No, that's, that, that's really good. I mean, there's, there's no doubt there's a, a gap in traditional education and providing the, the literacy or cultivating the, the intellectual or the financial literacy you need to be successful. And it lacks the tools and the processes. And so that's why we have this this gap that we solve later on. Yeah. And that's why podcasts like this are so amazing because you're exploring nuance and context. Mm. And we can't really talk about personal finance without effectively, without nuance, right? Because where you grew up, how you grew up, what you have access to, um, the way you experienced your environment, all of these things play a role in how you relate to money. Yeah, that, that, that's so true. You, you mentioned something before on the distinction of, I guess, the type of goal or the type of vision that you would put in place to get, thing, get things started. And, and maybe someone could say, hey, I want to retire at 45 and <laughs> drink my ties and, and have a Bentley, whatever that might yeah. be. It's fantastic. And for others, it's it's not as easy or even something that they want to nail that that's, it's that specific. Mm-hmm. So it still feels like they're in, in the examples you gave, there's still a vision in place. It's like, Hey, feel better or just get, get out of the the situation I'm in or in just a, a much, I guess, broader or for lack of a better term, kind of vague goal. But do you see that as just the starting point? It's like, Hey, you, you need to get some momentum going and you can be just just make progress right like feel like your scores scoring some wins and then as you get the ball rolling part of having that relationship with your financial goals is to revisit it at times and then over time as you have more reps with it you can tune up where you want to go become more accurate and say okay now now i feel confident that i can do this so maybe you have a little bit more clarity since you've learned more about financial goals tools instruments like how that is formulated so then you you know like more accurately where you want to go? Absolutely. Your vision should grow and evolve, right? What I wanted, um, I'm trying to think of an example of this. The car I wanted when I was 14 is, I now I'm like, that is so absurd and silly. The (laughs) tattoo I thought I wanted when I was 16. I'm so glad that I didn't get. Okay, good. Right? It, It didn't happen. And I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that that didn't work out for me. Um, so yes. And, and even the things that did work out, you know, I, when I first started my business, um, it was a different model and, and the things I thought I would be doing for the next decade happened a lot quicker than I thought they would. And now I want different things, you know, and, and so, um, money is a value system. And when you're formulating goals, if you if you understand it as as this value system, then what do you value, right? And is the way you're using money reflective 
of what you value most. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know he's in a, an interesting spotlight right now, but, but Elon Musk, I heard him say the other day that you know, information is money, or money is information. And it's, it just represents how value is shared or stored. And I thought that was interesting. It sounds like similar to what you're saying. And not to compare you to Elon Musk, but the the the, <laughs> the same message you. that you know, money isn't this um, kind of nebulous, like abstract thing. It's it's just a storage of information or value. And, right. It's it's mm-hmm. the shared agreement that we have. Um, if you go to your local tailor, and he's he's going to take in a suit for you there is this agreed upon exchange of the value of his time and his skill set and his labor um for something that that you have of value right it's it's kind of like a refined bartering system yeah absolutely yeah is that what i know you you talk about how someone can demystify money is that is that what you mean by that is is demystifying money yeah well i think and there there's sort of two polar schools of thought with this there there's kind of the super bro finance like wolf of wall street style that's so jargony that it feels inaccessible that it just that it's unnecessary unnecessarily complicated we think that to build wealth i need to master high risk day trading and time the markets and know the inside scoop on what company is going to make what strategic move at what time and get there before everyone else does absolutely not required to create millions of dollars of wealth not required at all and and there are janitors who do that then there's sort of another school that's that's the i don't this is going to age me but i was um i was in high school when the movie the secret came out are oh, you yeah, familiar Right, mm-hmm. law of attraction, manifestation. This, if you think it, it will. You can have it, right? And to an extent, that is valid, right? To an mm-hmm. extent, if you can envision something, you can build it. And there's a lot of missing context in that. And there's a lot of kind of wish your way wealthy and how do you manifest it? And are you aligning your vibration with abundance? that can also feel very esoteric and nebulous. And I, my work finds a a middle ground where can we take the really simplified um, educational practical steps and then align them with a vision that feels abundant and expansive. Um, But without hoping that wealth will build itself um, or without it needing to be again, unnecessarily complicated. Right. Yeah. I, I saw the secret uh, back in high school as well. And, and I agree with you. I mean, there's there's value in the law of attraction and that would, mm-hmm. at the very least, whatever you focus on and measure, you can grow. But also there's something to, I think, attracting things in your direction, unknowns on how that, that comes to fruition. But I definitely agree with you that if you are focused on something, it tends to show up more in your life. Yes. and And what I find is if I'm focused on something and I have had miraculous wild experiences that don't make logical sense. And in between those experiences, I'm, I'm a human. I'm I'm an everyday person living my life and having just tangible steps to take in between the, the synchronicity or, or the unexplainable um, is really, really supportive for most people. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. And and it goes back to what you're saying. I think on like maintaining a relationship with this process, right? like you're, you're, you're thinking about it all the time. You're revisiting it. You're checking in against it. And that, that constant focus or like keeping your mind oriented on it allows you to maintain that relationship. Yeah. And it's it kind of like, I, um, I have a friend who is a relationship therapist and and she often helps people who like want to create partnership. And it's like, okay, if you want to, if you want to attract a great partner, you, you, 
and this happens to her all the time where people are like, I, I want to find my person. I'm ready. And she's like, cool. Are you on any dating apps? No. Do you leave your house? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how is this going to happen? Are they going to break in and you're going to fall madly in love? Like what, what's, you know, we, we need both, right? We need, um, and, and I find when we have fundamentals in place, um, when when we know simple, actionable steps we can take, then we can bring the the mindset and the perspective in, and that creates a lot of space for your your goals to expand, for them to exceed your expectations. I mean, the the things I've done uh, in my in my own wealth building journey just in the last two years kind of blow my mind when I look at them on paper. But day in day out, it felt rather boring. Yeah, yeah, and that that's 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 it though, and that's okay. It should be the the way that you've set up your plan. It should be relatively effortless, just like flicking over a domino every day over time that can unleash exponential results for you. Because that's it's like the power of exponential success in in general. It's you trust the process, and it takes time, and it's yeah. like a hockey stick. And once it gets rolling, it gets doubling, and the growth is hard to uh, imagine until you're there. Um, absolutely, and that really brings us to the third component of financial intimacy, which is experiential intimacy. And this is what happens as a result of cultivating emotional and intellectual intimacy with money consistently throughout time. So it's really the difference between understanding something in theory and knowing it through experience. Right, the experience of um, I'm not wondering if I can afford it. I actually know because at the end of every month, I sit down and I look at money, and I know what money is coming in in the next month, and I assign all of the money jobs. Right, I'm like money. This is how you get to show up for me in this area of my life. Money. This is how you get to show up for me in this area of my life. I know that. There's money being invested. I know that there is money to buy groceries because I told it this much money you get to buy groceries, right? I know how to adjust. And now, now you get to have this experience of if you want something that is, say, out of your budget. Now, the question is, how do I want to create that? How do I want to prioritize that thing? What would it take? How much time? What, um, what would be deprioritized to make this a priority? right? It's, it just becomes a conversation instead of this emotionally charged thing where it's like a big question mark or it's fear or anxiety or waiting for the other shoe to drop. It, it's And it's when you can relax around provision and resource, the way you move through the world is different because then money just gets to be nourishment, right? Like great food, or like clean water, or like air, um, it, it's just this fuel that gets to support you in the direction you want to go. And it's not constantly top of mind. It's it's actually in its right place and it's supporting role in your life. Mm, it's I'm sure for, for many people, it's difficult to shift that mindset to, to get, it's almost hard to imagine the experience that you're talking about because they have this this image in their mind of what money has been for them for for the majority of their life. So, do you have, I mean, other than what you've already shared, do you have any advice for someone who's who's trying to get started and turn the corner or get over the hump on like shifting that mindset and maybe scoring some early wins in the way that you're describing so they can see or have some of that experiential intimacy? Yeah, I I think it's really important to just in general, have compassion for yourself and your experience. Financial trauma is real. Um, for example, if you grew up in a certain part of your city um, or a predominantly black or brown community, those communities are underbanked, right? Even access to a bank instead of, say, a check cashing space is limited. So there are real systemic um, and institutional challenges depending on your um, your identity. And, and that's real. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. And while your circumstances are often not, not always your fault, 
you can take responsibility for what you want to create. And I think self-agency alone is, is really powerful. So even, even starting with that, right? Like I can take responsibility for the future I want to see. That's exercising your financial power. That is starting to build positive neural pathways and positive reinforcement around uh, with money, right? This is a positive experience. I am deciding that I might not have it all figured out or my situation might not be great, but I can change it. Um, from there, I, you know, uh, on a practical, from, from a practical place, before you even jump into like, do I want to pay off debt? Do I want to buy a house? I strongly encourage everyone to, if you could just sit down and kind of make it a date or, or a ritual with money where I'm just going to look at what's going on here. I'm, I'm just going to be intentional or, or I'm even going to be curious and just kind of document historically, maybe over the last three months, what am I prioritizing? And does that feel reflective of what I value? Just getting curious, right? Not judgment like, oh, I'm clearly not. But, you know, what do I value? What do I value most, right? When we're talking one thing or priorities, if you have 37 priorities, you don't have any. Mm. So what do I value most? Maybe a top three, right? That might be um, travel. That might be... Uh, great food. You know, you might not care about a really fancy car. I, I don't know what that is for you, but but you do. And so that's something that's a conversation you can have with yourself and know what do I what do I value most? What are for me, optionality is something I really value. I don't, don't always know exactly what I'm gonna want, but I know I want options. And, and so that's why I love wealth building because that gives me options. It gives me the option to say, actually in my business, we're going to cut a six figure revenue stream because I want to build this and I want to create the bandwidth to do that. Um, and we can do that because I understand. So just kind of just a, a sit down with money. And if you can do it, if you're just starting out once a week, once every other week, minimum once a month. And, and first, just start by by looking and getting curious about what's going on now. And then that'll help you understand where you are. And, and if that is or isn't reflective of what you value and what you want, and if it's not what you want, what do you want, right? Then we can start to get clear and cultivate a vision. Um, once you have a vision in place, before you do any kind of reverse engineering and building your wealth building strategy for your future or you know, buying an apartment complex, whatever it is. Um, I first want you to create an emergency fund. And this is for emergencies because we are human and emergencies happen, period. They happen. So knowing that human things happen, flat tires happen, um, your cat could jump off the balcony and then you have a vet bill things happen that are out of your control. So we know that for a fact. Now let's plan for that so that when they happen, it doesn't derail you from your goals. And this will also help psychologically reinforce positive experiences once you start working toward those financial goals, because then when something comes up, it doesn't feel like you've slipped or you've failed or you can't get ahead. It feels like I've planned for this and I can continue to show up for my goals. Oh, I got laid off. I planned for that. So uh, typically an emergency fund would be three to six months of your fixed expenses. Um, and fixed expenses are typically like your rent or mortgage, um, a car note. Um, so housing, transportation. Also, I like to include groceries with that and um, minimum debt payments because you that is something you've committed to, right? So three to six months of, of those fixed living expenses. Um, once, once that's established, then you can start to work toward those bigger goals. But I don't want you to work on rapidly paying down debt before that or um, putting all of your money into Bitcoin or anything else. Just 
getting to a place where you have leveled the playing field and, and you've sort of primed yourself to succeed regardless of what you choose. That's, that's it's great. It's wonderful advice. You know, first place to start, make sure you've got the emergency fund because that could be a really painful reset for you if you don't and you hit a tough time and you're, you're not in a position to be able to weather the storm because it could, it could really disrupt your, uh, your, your journey for a longer period of time. Yeah. And it's, and disruptions happen and that's okay. But I also, you know, I understand human behavior and it's like when we're working really hard towards something and it feels like, and it's something comes up and it feels like we've slid backwards that can take you out on an emotional level, right. On a psychologically, psychological level and be like, maybe this just isn't for me. Um, and I, I don't want you to have that experience. And, and it's the same. So entrepreneurship, for example, it's it's the same and different. I often encourage entrepreneurs to create what I call an operational buffer, which is three to six months of expenses. Um, so that can be like your team, your systems, your salary, depending on your business model and how you operate. Um, but the difference between an operational buffer and an emergency fund is an operational buffer is designed to be a buffer. So cash flow fluctuation happens in business, right? In small business and in, in big business. So knowing that, then we know this information, we can plan for that when you know you're going to say fourth quarter have probably your biggest financial gains of the year. But then that first quarter, you know, it feels like feast or famine, you can actually plan proactively and, and know, oh, I know that Q1 is um, historically less prosperous for us in terms of, of sales or revenue. Then you've created a system that allows you to fluctuate. Yeah, you need to know the seasonality of your business and the industry that you're in and plan accordingly. And sometimes if you're new into a, an industry or new into a business, you got to get a couple seasons under your belt to see where that consistency shows up. But you can still proactively have a war chest and and be in a place that you can go on that learning learning journey to understand the industry you're in. But if you're there for for a period of time, you should have an idea of what that seasonality is and plan accordingly. Yeah. And and small businesses, like your business can be such an incredible tool for building wealth, right? Because you have cash flow, you can create leverage. Um, there are lots of fun things you can do with different investment accounts, with um, taxation. And, and so there are all these tools you can play with. And if you can create a really solid financial foundation and you can create um, behavioral consistency in, in checking in with those things, um, the opportunities are really endless. Yeah. You mentioned something a, a few times. You talked about a monthly meeting or some behaviors around, I think it was around the relationship side of things. Like, hey, when you when are you revisiting? When are you having discussions? When are you sitting down with your finances? And we, we talk a lot about habits and it's something we believe in very much in our process. And we say, you don't decide your future, you can decide your habits and your habits ultimately, we ultimately will encourage or inform your future. And I'm curious <laughs> for you, when you think about just setting a goal, uh, albeit your vision could be very simple and, and vague and you're just trying to get going or it's very um, specific and you know exactly where you want to go. But what, how do habits fold into this process for you? when it comes to ultimately building towards where you want to go? Yeah, it's about commitment for me. Um, I learned pretty early on and I, I saw this in my work a lot as well because you know I was coaching entrepreneurs and leaders um, who sometimes struggle with motivation and, and inspiration. Um, and I find that motivation and inspiration are not a great place to anchor into because their feelings and feelings fluctuate. And mm -hmm. that's really, really normal. So for me, I get very clear on what I'm committed to and what I can commit to. Because commitment means I show up regardless of how I'm feeling or you know the change of seasons. Um, it means I'm there. And if I say I'm there, I'm there. And that for me is what helps me stick to processes, behaviors, habits 
um, long-term because it's not about how I'm feeling. It's about what I'm committed to. What what am I committed to building? What do I want most? And then what is required of me to create that? And, And then those are the commitments I make. And when you make a commitment that it holds you to a deeper level of accountability than um, just setting a goal. Yeah. Do you leverage any external accountability in in your process or, or what you recommend for others, like having an, a wealth building club or an accountability partner and something along those lines? Absolutely. Um, I let's see. So for me, I, I'm I'm married. Um, Congratulations! I'm getting married yeah. in April. Congratulations. That's exciting. I've been married for six years, I think. I'm not sure. It feels like forever and yesterday at the same time. It's wild. Um, That was a a huge turning point for us in in merging our finances, which we didn't do until I think two or three years into our marriage. So, but it's this open dialogue. And for that also, you know, in the context of intimacy was a new depth of relationship to be that open and vulnerable and that um, on the same page about what we were committed to building together. So there was some accountability in that process. And we meet at the end of every month and we're like, okay, this is what we did last month. This is what we're committed to doing next month. And that's a really beautiful process. Um, And I did not want to do it at all, (laughs) to be honest. Initially, I wanted... um, my freedom and my independence. And I thought it would contradict that. And uh, what I know is that freedom is not the absence of responsibility, right? Freedom is more responsibility. So it was actually really beautiful. Um, And I also encourage, you know, in general, like if I could give 20 year old me any advice, it would be, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to seek out support. And I was so terrified um, of people knowing that I had failed or that I wasn't good at this thing and that I wasn't adulting right, that I, it took me so long to be willing to learn. And, and if you know anything about compound interest and investing, time is your biggest asset um, in terms of building wealth, right? That's, that's money appreciates in, in, at least in the market. And, and the same, if you're investing in real estate, which are sort of the two main ways to build generational wealth. So if you're investing in either of those things, the more time you have, the more wealth you're going to build because it continues to have the snowball effect. So I, I wasted a lot of time not asking for help. So I do encourage um, finding, you know, asking for help finding a a safe space to learn. You know, if you are, if you find yourself in a, in a learning environment that is shaming you for all of your choices, it might not be the safest space. And, and there's a lot of that right now. And I, I won't say any names, but like, there's a lot of education that's like you, if you have debt, you don't belong eating in a restaurant. That's not true. Debt isn't necessarily good or bad, Debt is just the choice to pay something off over time. And really, when we look at debt, it's like, what debt is supporting you building your goals? Because intentional debt in business is called leverage. And that can be done in a way that that can be used as an amazing tool to build wealth. And some debt, for example, high interest credit card debt, might be getting in the way of your ability to achieve a financial goal. So it's really like comprehensive education, understanding, finding, find a safe space to ask questions where you're not going to be made wrong for asking questions or making a mistake. And yeah, if there are, if there are people who can support you in the process, the more support, the better. That's awesome. Hey, you have such great advice and insight and, and such a cool story that's very relatable, I think, for for so many people about where you're coming from. And they, it's inspirational to see the the growth that you've made and hear about it. So it's, it's awesome. Thank you so much for for sharing all this. And we like to ask a, a question just to kind of narrow focus and at the end of our podcast. And the question I want to ask you is, what's the one thing you want our listeners to take away from the conversation? Hmm. If there's one thing I want you to take away from the conversation, I would hope that that you, and even if you don't 
feel this or know this, just explore it, pretend, entertain the idea that, and it's a fact, that you have an immense amount of financial power. And whether or not you realize it, and um, it can be really challenging to experience yourself as financially powerful if your financial power has been unacknowledged or if you have not been given the tools or or been encouraged to express that. Um, but but just because you have not been given those tools or or been reminded um, doesn't mean it's not there. So y- you you and you alone have the ability to really choose what you want moving forward. And um, yeah, I, I just want you to know that like you've got it, that it's it's fourth grade math and it it just requires some learning. Thanks, Hannah. That's great. Where can people check out? I know you said you've got a, a course and a, and a workshop coming up and you're all over social and, and all the things, but where, where can people find you if they want to reach out or if they want to inquire about your services? Yeah. I'm on Instagram at I am Hannah Koenig. Um, Hannah-Koenig.com is my website. You're welcome to slide into my DMs. I love new friends. I am someone who legitimately makes time for people, um, which I know sometimes in today's day and age is rare. Uh, I have, let's see, January 5th, I have a free um, workshop called the Wealth Masterclass. And I'm really just breaking down some of the fundamentals of of building wealth and investing and understanding that conversation. Um, So if you hear this in time for that, you're welcome to register for free. Uh, The link is available on Instagram. Um, And I I have a course, it's called the Wealth Course. We're not super clever with naming. It's just, it's very simple. And I teach six fundamental, um, six fundamentals of building wealth in a dual purpose curriculum. So I teach the fundamental and then I teach, here's how you can apply it in for in your personal life. Here's how you can apply it as a small business owner. And, and I also have some really fun bonuses in there on different wealth building tools like credit and, um, debt and, uh, property. So you can check that out. It's called the wealth course. You can also find the link for that on my website or on Instagram. Awesome, Hannah. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being on with us today. And thanks for all the time and the conversation. Yep. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There you'll find information on -on one-on-one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T-H-E, the number one, dot com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Plus, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com. We'll see you next week.